welcome to another episode of The Clever Kids. This is a weekly podcast where three brothers take a look at a topic from popular culture that you may or may not care about. My name's Tyler. Brian here. And I'm Jeff. And uh, this week is going to be a Marvel-filled episode. Um, We had two kind of big things happen in the MCU. First being uh, the end of Oscar Isaac's new television marvel television series moon knight and uh the second being benedict cumberbatch and rachel mcadams uh multiverse craziness um dr strange movie is rachel Sorry. mcadams really the one that gets the the credit for that or is it i mean it's was it's way america more... chavez and elizabeth olsen elizabeth olsen yeah I like that I called her America Chavez. That actress has a name, which we'll get into. But first, we're going to talk about um, Moon Knight. So who wants to start us off? Brian, did you did you have... Yeah, you trying to go... Like, no spoilers take? Is that what I'm spitting out yeah, here? Because I will did, spoil it. Uh, do we want... I'm, let's just do full spoilers, straight up. There's it's full been spoilers. Out it's been out Just yeah. straight up all spoilers for this whole episode like we will do like a non-spoiler like five minutes on dr strange but odds are one of us is going to let something slip before we get there so do not if you have not seen these movies or this show and you really don't want them spoiled then that's right you don't listen i repeat do not listen further if you have not seen moon knight or dr strange 2 this is your final warning Um. Uh, yeah. So, Brian, did you want to start us off on full, like a full spoiler conversation? I mean, it's harder to talk about a TV series without spoilers. I think because 100%. there's so well, many different We've episodes already warned for them. you sh- to spoil. They should right. not be listening. If uh, I agree, I'm just saying. Go ahead and jump in full spoilers. No problem. Moon Knight. Um, I thought it was really good. Anna and I, my wife and I, sorry, were. Uh, eating it up the whole time. We're really enjoying the different um, personalities, the different uh, look at a superhero that is not infallible. And like, you know, I think obviously we've gotten that in the extended Marvel universe. There's superheroes with their own difficulties and struggles and, you know, representative of different, you know, uh, demographics, but uh, they took it a step further and I thought they still, um, did a good job. I we were really enjoying the back and forth and and how with the editing and the way they made decisions on a directorial level. You know how you felt like you were just watching a fragmented mind trying to comprehend the world around it. You know what I mean? And like suddenly something would be happening, and the main character that you're with in your viewpoint is like, "What the f?" You know and <laughs> You at home are, are experiencing that same sensation, and I, I just think they landed it pretty well. I think it, I think it played really well on screen. Um, so uh, overall, we're we're really happy with it. Uh, I don't, I wouldn't rank it number one in the limited series that they've been doing. I, I like some of the other ones a little bit more, uh, but that was probably more just being a bigger fan of some different characters over Moon Knight, um, and also having some general questions about how these Egyptian gods fit into the extended universe um, and everything that's happened so far. But um, we can talk about that a little bit more at length. Let's get someone else's opinion here. Yeah, Jeff, how did you feel about this? I thought it was great. I thought it was very fun. I I really appreciated how much they directly took source material from comics. Um, A lot of the visuals, a lot of the concept of the insane asylum, 
all of that was very fun to see be brought almost directly from the page. Uh, I think that Oscar Isaac is a phenomenal actor. I enjoyed seeing him act alongside himself. Um, I, I thought that was very fun, and uh, I'm very excited for what they have <coughs> coming up next. You know, with with the way that that show ended, if you guys watched the post credit scene, then um, you guys know that we're in for a second season. Or something, yeah, maybe a movie. Who knows? I mean, they this whole series has kind of been um, like all the news around it has been is 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 he going to join the Avengers? Is he going to be a part of the MCU as a whole? And Oscar Isaac in interviews has just been like, no, I'm not. I'm not signed on for any further uh, movies or TV series or anything like that. And so everybody's like, okay, well, maybe this is just going to be like a one and done Moon Knight story just to tell the story of Moon Knight because maybe this character doesn't actually fit in with the Avengers, you know? Um, and then, yeah, at the end, they do a post credit sting that introduces us to Jake Lockley, um, which I was wondering why they hadn't introduced him in the series yet. But I guess, I, I, you know, I mean, they, there we go. We have him. So. They'd certainly teased him a lot, right? That yeah, was, for I, sure. The third sarcophagus and everything. Yeah. I mean, with with Mark Spector uh, constantly um, blocking out and it not being Steven, like they did that like three times. Like anyone who's paying attention to the show knew that there was a third personality. It was not a twist by any means. Sure. Yeah. Like when Steven wakes up after Mark blacks out and everybody's dead around him. Yeah. Yeah. I, I agree. And it, it, it always blacked out whenever they needed to go even further brutal than Mark was willing to go. Yep. I agree. Um, I personally thought this show was fine. Um, the, uh, the major showrunner and director of most of the episodes of this was a man named Mohammed Diab. Um, he, uh, he is Egyptian and took great pains to depict Egyptian uh, mythology and Egypt as a country as something other than what we constantly see it as in movies, which is like this, like, you know, run down third world, you know, nation. They always show Cairo as like this, like really dirty, like crime ridden city. And he's like, I grew up there. It's beautiful. Like, it's not. It's not like that. I don't know why we just assume just because there's whatever. So I, I really liked that. I liked that we had uh, the actress Mae Calloway in there, who is of Egyptian uh, descent. Um, F. Murray Abraham um, as the voice of Conchu was really cool uh, to hear. Um, obviously, Oscar Isaac isn't he's like latin right he's like puerto rican or something why i don't know why he keeps getting cast as like egypt like somewhat egyptian themed characters because he was apocalypse in x-men apocalypse and then now he's moon knight in this one um which is kind of interesting i don't know he does kind of look i guess egyptian he's got like a particular skin tone or something i don't know um that's interesting i mean especially because he was playing mark specter who's american right and then and then stephen grant who is thought he was british yeah so it's like he's multicultural that he's just all over the place um yeah it but like if you look at the cast list on imdb it's mostly people of color after i like once you get past ethan hawk and oscar isaac like f murray abraham bay calloway they have uh you know they're they're of they're people of color um, and then like 90% of the cast after that is just, is just pe uh, relative of unknowns 
and people of color, which I think is really cool for Marvel to give. I mean, even though it's just a TV show, it's a much smaller foot up. He's still they're still giving people you know a show in the MCU, not just like an all white cast. I mean, you look at the Avengers, and it's been like Falcon and Rhodey kind of holding down the fort for diversity um, the whole time, and uh, it's kind of cool to start seeing like in these shows like a wider cast of people of color so that's the part i really liked about this i thought it was a more interesting depiction of those of the world um as far as the tv show though i felt like i don't know it just didn't feel like it was in it felt like um legion do you guys remember legion um brian did you ever see legion uh you're talking about the one with paul bettany and no i am legion that's different jeff you know i'm talking about the television show legion right absolutely yeah Oh, I have not seen it. Um, it's really good. And I think it kind of did this exact concept better. Um, it was different, but I think it was better. Um, and uh, yeah, I think that that's, I just kept comparing it to Legion and just being like, ah, I just kind of wish this was another season of Legion that was, a, you know what I mean? That they just greenlit another season of Legion instead of I doing Moon Knight. Okay. All right. I can tell uh, based on your review and then my review. I can tell that they were different reviews, so I just assumed that you disagreed. But yeah, I just, I don't know. I didn't, it didn't grab me as much. I would probably put it like right in the middle of uh, the Marvel TV series. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, I did like that they gave uh, an Egyptian woman a superhero character. Apparently, they gave her the Scarlet Scarab, which is a character who I don't think has been used since like the 80s. Um, and was traditionally a male, and they were like, oh, no, let's just give this like w Egyptian woman like a superhero character. So something that you had talked about a couple weeks back with the superhero fatigue, Brian, um, when was the last time that they introduced like a new character? They just repurposed an old character and created an entirely new superhero, basically, in this TV series, which is kind of cool, I think. Um, but yeah, I don't know. Did you guys have any other thoughts about the series as a whole, or...? Yeah, I mean, I really enjoyed the concept of, uh, you know, split personalities. I thought they did a great job, especially in the first early episodes. Um, I thought the action was good for most of it. I thought there are moments where it could have been a little bit better. But overall, I, I think it's a great introduction to the character. And, and like I said before, I can't wait to see more. Cool. Um, can, I, can I dive right into trying to understand some things? Hopefully you guys can hit me. Um how can we continue to like introduce all these different cosmic level powerful beings and explain how they didn't get involved during the Thanos incident and explain how they didn't get involved in New York and well, like, I guess New York is just one of the sub examples of the Thanos incident, but like, I don't understand how the Egyptian pantheon has all these high level deities and super powerful beings and none of them did jack shit during any of the Avengers Crisis stuff, like um, the t the time police thing with um, you know Owen Wilson's organization, I was like, okay, I kind of get where they're on another level where they're operating with time. In like, okay, that's fine. They explained that. Well, yeah, because but, in their world, Thanos was always supposed to happen. Like it was supposed right. to it, lay out it, the way it, that it just, did. Right, and the, and they're on a multiversal operating level, and that's that's to me is a good enough ex explanation, but the eternals hiding in 
plain sight, but not getting involved and just being willing to let this stuff happen. And the Egyptian pantheon not doing jack. It's like, I don't understand but, how you can continue to add these in without but, some kind of explanation. I mean, the Eternals legitimately, I mean, you watch the film, they said that was the entire purpose of the Eternals being there was to protect humans up until a point where there was uh, uh, enough people to, I guess, crack the fucking egg. Um, but they were sworn not to interfere with. But only one of them knew that. Right. But they were also sworn not to interfere with natural human events. They were only there describing Thanos as a natural human event. So that's what they considered. That's literally what they said in the, in the movie is that they can't interfere when, when people are, are, you know, that suffering from the uh, consequences of their own actions. They're only there to fight this specific race of things. Okay, okay. so th- yeah, I'll accept so that explanation. What you're They're doing there is to you're fight. explaining why the, how bad that movie was. <laughs> Does They're, it make sense? That is so dumb. No, we're literally really only here to fight here. these weird worm monsters. They're made of wires. We fight them. That's it, exclusively. Sorry. Yeah, okay, but but I'll still accept it because all I'm asking for here is an explanation of some kind and not yeah. nothing. And so the Egyptian pantheon, like... Why didn't they do anything? Well, like, so I think that like... this can be explained away by the fact that the Avengers aren't telling people what they're doing. So they don't know that Thanos is that they're fighting Thanos over these infinity gems out in space. Like they don't know that shit. You know what I mean? Like as far as the rest of like Moon Knight knows, an alien showed up in New York where he's not at and Tony Stark fought him and the Hulk and then disappeared. Right. With Doctor Strange and Spider-Man. And then the Hulk showed up and went and found Steve Rogers in Africa, another place that Moon Knight's not at. And it's not like they're telling people, hey, we're going over here to figure this out. They just go. Right. Don't, sure. But don't you think uh, an, a, Osiris or Amun-Ra would be like, hey, there's a massive battle for the Earth happening in an alien invasion in New York. We should probably get involved. Like. Like, we can't afford for the alien race to take over the Earth. You just got to assume that these people just don't know what's going on yet, and they don't have the time to react. In this show, they talked about how their entire purpose is to stay hidden. They don't want their Their gods to be... to hide? Yes. They're like, we are avatars of these gods, but we don't want the world to know about the gods. The gods are choosing to stay out of mortal conflicts. Right, and At that the was the entire of point. The entire planet is where I just draw the line, and I'm like, "How do you guys not drop all that shit well, and go get involved?" When I mean, you're lose Thor, Love and race? Thunder's vi- villain is actually going to play right into that exact concept, which is because right, he's attacking gods. Yeah, right? he's the god butcher who his whole family died because they ignored the his prayers and wishes, and so he's like, "All right, well, if you're not going to help us, then what is your purpose?" And then he just I'm goes going around, to Kratos, and, baby. Yeah, <laughs> and then he goes Kratos and starts killing gods and i'm down with it i yeah, yeah I, I, I agree and I, I hope most of these egyptian gods get slaughtered <laughs> I, every time i see them i'm like dude you are a cosmic level being like why are you not doing something like why would you be okay with the world getting destroyed that seems like such a weird I think that gods, gamble to take to do nothing i think when you show characters and beings of that immense power level um it, it's a tendency as a writer to make them uncaring right like i think it just you you just don't want them to they don't consider human issues to be relevant to their lives or yeah, you know they're the Dr. Manhattan exactly it's the Dr. Manhattan concept where they're so that far guy above was a human, you that it just doesn't matter. He gets matter. so powerful that he just stopped caring about the world because he was like, dude, this doesn't matter. Like on the grand scheme of things, like this is so minuscule I mean, it, compared to what I am. It segues right into Doctor Strange. I mean, even he 
he falls into that category often where he's like i mean like in the grand calculus calculus. like yeah he like he's like in the grand calculus of the universe or even as a minor spoiler to everything everywhere all at once one of the characters in that movie is able to travel the multiverse at will and so they are able to see everything happening at every given second and so every single thing that happens no longer matters because anything could be happening anywhere and so everything's a joke everything is pointless because any one person's issue isn't affecting this other version of them in the multiverse so like that person could die and the multiverse continues on so why yeah. try anything why do anything? i absolutely i'm really glad that we we touched on that and we'll dive into it more with the doctor strange conversation but i do appreciate that they're starting to really address that because the steve rogers way of no there's always a a way to solve this problem without resorting to something less than honorable and it's like no i don't think that's the truth i think that the further they go, the more situations they'll be put in where they have to choose a greater good option. Yeah, the no over... man left behind situation. Uh, right, exactly. It's just that whole concept of like, well, everybody yeah. is valuable. So, it, you know, so, we'll all sacrifice to save one or whatever. All for one, one for Yeah, all. and I, I want to dive more into that concept, but that feels like a Doctor Strange conversation. So in the sake of making sure that we give Moon Knight its due diligence, um, you know, I'll circle back on that a little later in the conversation. But uh, any other thoughts on Moon Knight, guys? Anything about the the villains or about um, you know the Moon Knight character itself? It's kind of the weirdest superhero, I think. Yeah, he sucks. In general, I can't think of a superhero that was... You say he kind of sucks? Yeah, I don't like him. I, don't, I, I never liked Moon Knight as a character. I think he's a shitty ripoff of Batman. <laughs> yeah, but... Okay. Um, my, my only concern with the direction of the show is I just don't want them to consistently introduce new personalities and just have them have like 20 personalities. And he only and- has three or four in the comics. And I think right. that fans would get really upset if they introduced like a fifth. I don't, I don't I think there's only the three. I think that there's Steven, Mark and Jake that I'm aware of. Those are the only three I've read in the limited number of Moon Knight comics that I'm, that I've read. Um, and pretty much I've only read the ones that, uh, that Lemire wrote but um I uh I think overall the series was fine um I wanted more action I wanted more like fist fights um I wanted I don't know it and uh, it just felt like it kind of like cut like I just felt like the action was kind of bland and boring in this um and didn't we didn't get a whole lot of Moon Knight doing anything no like- and I I think that the I didn't really like the way that the costume forms around him. I thought that that looked bad. Um, I, um, I don't know. Overall, I just kind of was. I, I just I wasn't disappointed because I didn't have high expectations of the series. I guess I just kind of got exactly what I thought I was going to get. Just kind of like did, a generic superhero television series. Sorry, Jeff. What did you think of Ethan Hawke? Uh, <laughs> he was fine Damn, low on this series i just don't feel like anybody really was given much to do except for oscar isaac and i think oscar isaac did what he could with a role but i think that the multiple personality thing is really hard to do and is almost never convincing i would say that the only time i've ever seen it actually work was james mcavoy in split and in split only because it did not work in glass at all um and i i think that it's kind of a dumb trope that doesn't work for me most of the time. And 
I was kind of frustrated by it a lot throughout the series. I'm trying not to be negative. That's why I keep trying to move on. I feel like every time we talk, I end up saying a bunch of bad stuff. I don't want it to sound like that. I, like I said, I, I like the show just fine. I just, I, I found a lot of issues with it and holes that I could pick at and pick at and pick at until they're bigger, but I'm choosing not to. I'm just yeah. kind well, of me, letting me it throw... wash over me and I enjoyed watching it. I watched every episode and I didn't have a problem with it overall. I just, it wasn't, you know, life changing well, for me. Let me just say as a quick aside, if they were going to bring in or write in a part where Alexander the Great was an avatar, I think that's what they did, right? Because yep. they hid the the little statue in his sarcophagus. Mm-hmm. Yep. Like they have to give me more of that. I, I need to see like some kind of callback or like flashback to Alexander the Great or something like I like as a guy that really digs that the when when a show will is willing to like do something with history. I, I need a little bit more. I need to know how how it affected Alexander the Great's legacy and like how he utilized his like how the Avatar feature that we're introducing to Alexander the Great impacted what he ended up doing with his life. Like, I, I just want more there. That's a random aside that they don't need to do. That's just personal preference. But let me ask you real quick before we move on, just very quickly off the cuff, slide this in somewhere in your, in, in ranking the Marvel limited series we've been getting over the last year or so. So we're looking at WandaVision, the Hawkeye one, um, Captain America, Moon Knight, or Falcon, uh, Winter Soldier. Falcon, Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Uh, there's another one I'm forgetting, I believe. What if? I haven't seen that. What if? So I, um, that's what I. Yeah, I don't know. Um, you but, said Wandavision, Hawkeye, Captain, the, yeah, Moon Knight, and what yeah, if? So just give me tonight. like a, uh, just give me like the like a quick. You might not, you know, if you thought about this longer, have a, you might have a different order, but just give me your real quick, you know, gut reaction to where these slot in from best to worst. Um, Jeff, you go first. Um, okay. Uh, I mean, I like them for different reasons, but I would say Hawkeye number one. I would say Captain America number two. I would say Moon Knight three, WandaVision four, and What If five. Tyler, what about you? Um, I would probably do, wait, Jeff, did you put Hawkeye one? Yeah. Oh, uh, wow. Okay. I do WandaVision one, Loki two. Uh, Loki, we forgot Loki. And then I would do Loki. Captain America 3. And then Moon Knight and Hawkeye. I'd probably put Hawkeye's 4, Moon Knight 5, and then What If as the last one because I didn't even finish it. Yeah. But there's like uh, a pretty big disparity between Moon Knight and What If. Like I really was not interested in What If at all. Like it just didn't work for me. But um, I, like I watched all of Moon Knight, no problem. Like I, I did not... I wasn't like hesitating to watch it. I was interested to see what they did with the story overall. You know what I mean? And I'm interested to see what a season two looks like. I specifically think it would be really cool if they made Jake Lockley the villain of season two. So one of the person out, like basically the person out, the person that they're fighting against is actually hip themselves. You know what I mean? I think that that would be like an interesting like fight club way to take it. And I think that that would be kind of cool if they did that. Um, but I really hope that Jake Lockley isn't speaking French throughout the whole series because that'll just rip my mind in half. <laughs> All right, my, my rapid rankings. Uh, I'm going to go One Division 1, Loki 2, the uh, Falcon and the Winter Soldier 3, 
Um, I'm already forgetting what the other ones were. Sorry, what, what, what do you have so far? I went WandaVision 1, Loki 2, Falcon and the Winter Soldier 3. And you got Hawkeye. Uh, I'll go... Moon Knight. I'll go Hawkeye 4, Moon Knight 5. Yeah. yeah. So I mean, it was, it was, they're right next to each other. Yeah. It was fine. I would but say like, Hawkeye and Moon Knight, I would put right next to each other. I think I had a lot more good things to say about Hawkeye than I did about Moon Knight. Um, but like as far as like a quality of television show watching, like I put them right next to each other. Yeah. Cool. Uh, um, do we want to launch, before it, we launch move into on. Doctor Strange here? Yeah, what's up? Before we move on, uh, so head, head writer Jeremy Slater of this show was asked in an interview about some of the things that they didn't get to film. And he said that the first thing that was, that was cut, the last thing that was cut, the last, the, one of the things that they wanted to film and had actually written for was a flashback to Egypt with that time periods, uh, ancient Egypt to that time periods, avatar of Khonshu interacting with Alexander the great and uh, Kumail uh, Nanjiani's uh, character from the Eternals. Kingo. The three of them getting a scene. Um, but apparently they were they're saying the budget for that would have been um, too expensive, so they cut it. I, I mean, yeah, it's like an entirely CGI scene, and then you you cast uh, actor as Alexander the Great, and you cast Kumail Nanjiani, and bring him in, pay his day rate, which I'm sure is pretty high. Um, yeah, I, I get it completely. Um, yeah, there was a lot apparently cut from this series. Uh, and we can maybe talk about it at another time, but um, maybe we could do a whole episode of things that were cut from Marvel scripts because there's like lists everywhere of things that like could have been in there that would have been like, you know, that were like, whoa, shit. Oh, man. Anyway, the Stanley, the Stanley, the idea for him to be the janitor cleaning and he lifts up Thor's hammer to clean under it. Yes. Yeah. The greatest thing I've ever heard. Good and stuff. I, the... I wish that they had done that. Um, oh, yeah. There's no Stan Lee cameo in one in the. Doctor Strange movie. Sorry, spoilers for that, but I didn't, I didn't even think about that. It's a bummer. Um, okay, let's move into uh, Doctor Strange in the Realms of Ridiculousness, uh, starring Rob Deerdeck, um, Big Black, uh, Meatball, the Bulldog. I'm trying. What else is in this? Chanel Giggles, West Coast. Whatever the fuck. Yeah. <laughs> um, no, 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 no. We are talking about. Uh, Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness, uh, directed by Sam Raimi, written by Mike Waldron, starring Benedict Cumberbatch, Elizabeth Olsen, Benedict Wong, Chiwetel Ejiofor, Rachel McAdams, Michael Stuhlbarg, and her name is pronounced Sochil Gomez. That's spelled X-O-C-H-I-T-L. That's, Sounds like one of those Aztecian gods. Yeah, it's sick. I like it a lot, actually. Um, so chill. So chill. It's just in. Tyler has named the, the ch- changed the name for his future child. Yeah, I, dude. So so it's so chill. So yeah. Oh my god, her name is so chill, bro. Um, that is so chill. <laughs> Tyler, you're going first. You never go first. Tell us about Doctor Strange. Yeah. Um. This movie. This is uh, non- full spoilers. Once again, oh, are we doing doing full spoilers even for the the little? We said it in the beginning. Full spoilers. If you're still listening, um, last warning. This movie is uh, I oh, man, it's hard. It's hard to talk about this one. 
I really... Tyler, Tyler woke up on the wrong side of the bed this morning. We should have put a disclaimer. <laughs> That's not true. Um, I I had a lot of fun with this movie. Um, I enjoyed it the whole way through. But I do not think that this was like a good movie. It clearly had a lot of problems and was kind of a mess. We know that um, Marvel made all the full cast go back for reshoots for about two months, which... Typically, you can film an entire two-hour movie in two months. So, how much of this movie needed to be reshot? Um, and, I mean, you can you can see the seams, right? There are scenes where Benedict Cumberbatch is wearing a very obvious wig, and then there are scenes where it's a less obvious wig, and that tells me that they had to rush some some scenes, or that his hair looked different um, throughout, or that they had to be more convincing, or whatever. Um, I think that uh, overall, um, I enjoyed my time in it, but I just, I feel like there's a lot of holes that I could pick at in this one too. Um, so yeah, I, I mean, go see it if you like Marvel movies, obviously. that like That's kind of our rating system is go see it or wait for it to be on streaming, I guess. So I would go and see this in theater. I think it was worth seeing in theater just for the spectacle of seeing all of the craziness on screen. Um, but I, uh, I don't know. I'll, I'll have a lot to say as we get into it further. Jeff. Um, yeah, I, I, I didn't necessarily notice bad wigs or costuming. That's, that's more your department, but, uh, I enjoyed this film for what it was. I, had some issues with it as well. I'm, I'm also walked out of the film pretty, pretty critical of it simply because I didn't feel like this film really did anything for the greater MCU. Um, so much of what happened happened in alternate universes that just isn't going to have lasting effects. I don't see it having lasting effects for, for how much content you had to consume outside of this film in order to know what's going on inside of this film for it to not have, you know, major repercussions without it having introduced actual stable characters into the greater MCU. Like, you know, uh, that when this film was being shot, people were saying, oh, this is how this character is going to get introduced. You know, Deadpool has to get into the MCU. He's going and he's got a cameo in this film. Oh, you know, the X-Men, all of these different things are going to be introduced through this film and they are then going to have their own films because they were brought into this universe through Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness. But yeah, we now know that that's we don't we don't see any of that. So um, it's, it's yeah, I, it honestly, felt like was, it had more to do and didn't do any of it. And exactly. then at the end of it, it's like it's weird that Loki TV series had more bearing on the wider story of the MCU than this movie starring one of the main Avengers that's left behind. Right. You know what I mean? And it's like, you, how did this have oh, so little to do? Like, it just told a story in his life. I mean, even Spider-Man felt like it had a bigger, larger mm-hmm. bearing on the storyline. You know, mm-hmm. I don't I don't know. Yeah. I like it for for I mean, I guess we, we can assume I mean, I don't have to say spoilers. So I guess we can assume that the Scarlet Witch is dead, I think is what we watched. And yeah, um, I believe so. Doctor Strange now has a taint of, of dark magic in him. Mm-hmm. And he just met, you know, in the comics, what would will later become his, his future wife, I believe. Clear. Um, and, but overall, um, 
Like for, for them to then tease, oh, there's an incursion. Well, now I'm like, okay, maybe that's how they bring in the X-Men. Maybe that's how they're I'm like, but then again, fuck that. Like, I don't I like think that. that is what we're going to see. I think we're going to lead but up that to was Secret to, Wars is going to be. But that the, was supposed to be this film. Like, yeah, in my but mind, I think like, what's going to happen, Jeff, is they're going to make an incur. They're going to do Secret War. Well, let's get Brian's review and then we can talk about that. Sure. Brian, what did you think of the movie overall before we start diving into hypotheticals? Uh, my main takeaways were one, it was really enjoyable. I'll just get that out of the way. Um, two, I felt like it followed a very unconventional storytelling path. We started out with uh, an interesting action sequence, and then you know where Doctor Strange and So Chill were uh, running from a demon, and then you know we find out it was just a dream, but we still got our action, and then almost immediately we're back into action with. Uh, Wanda attacking um, the hell is that place called? Camertage and like I, it was just like this, like action, 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 down, uh-huh. action, action, action. And I thought, man, I, you don't get that very often. Typically, you'll get an opening sequence of something fun, and then you'll get a lot of exposition, and then leading up to action sequences throughout. And I just thought they they just went right into like you know like instead of their their initial their original. Or the, the formula, the tried and true formula, they did something a little different with this one. Yes. On top of that, um, they went with the horror flair to this mm-hmm. one totally. I mean, to be honest with you, I think, you know, my wife walking out of the theater was like, you know, I was sitting a little bit uneasy. She was like, I was stressed out during that movie, you know, because Wanda was terrifying, you know, like the, there was a lot of horror um, parts to it that you just, we have just never seen in anything Marvel before and to be honest with you i thought that was uh, a good move because we're, we're we have a movie centered around two very similar characters where they're magic users uh in dr strange and wanda and i thought it was the perfect time to try that and they i think they they landed it as well because um wanda has always been described as one of the most powerful Avengers, but we've never really quite seen it. Yeah, we saw WandaVision where she trapped a town, but how significant was that on the grand scale? You know, her trapping that one little town of, of people dealing with one magic user witch and other than that, like not doing a whole lot. Like I, I've just never really seen the messaging about Wanda being one of the most powerful Avengers translate into actually seeing something on screen that makes me go okay i now i, I believe it and well, then in this movie she's just, this one <laughs> yeah she, she just cuts right through the camertage defenses and, and honestly it made dr strange look kind of weak to oh me. she took like, out an entire other universe's avengers team basically <laughs> right, yeah oh yeah she's so powerful and I, I like that to me was like what i i valued the most coming out of this was like I mean, Wanda so is my issue is real here deal. with that, though, real quick. I mean, sorry, Brian. Are you okay with me taking taking us in a yep, direction please. now? Please. How powerful oh, is Wanda? Time. How powerful is Wanda here? Because this version of people that she wrecks in the Illuminati defeated Thanos. But then she just walked right through all of them. Right. Like, Well, I think they've said in prior movies that she could have crush thanos if she was involved right? but she was involved like, in endgame she comes back and she fights in endgame and she fights thanos in endgame for a second but she yeah but she crushes him kind of doesn't she kind of 
she doesn't like erase him from existence. Yeah, I don't she, understand why she didn't him. just unravel him the way that she did to John Krasinski oh, as dude, Mr. She Fantastic. Him like string cheese, <laughs> dude. Yeah. She that's her, rough. Her death of uh, so yeah, Black Bolt is the best super thing I've seen in a Marvel movie in a while. I, I will Richard, say that I really loved that. <laughs> I saw this with a close friend of mine, and read, like Black Bolt gets introduced. Do you see who his, what his power is? And then he just instantly like so, you know, suicide. At what, at what point does Wanda? Um, come into contact with Thanos because if he already had the reality stone, he can negate. He her, doesn't have the stones yet. It doesn't matter. It's, yeah. The point is, is her power level throughout the whole series, because she's. It's the same. It's a Superman problem. You introduce a character that is so god level power compared to everyone else on the team. Like, how do you create a villain or a bad guy or a team of bad guys that they all can fight equally? You know what I mean? And that's one of the reasons that I think they had to do away with Wanda is her reality warping abilities are to make her too powerful. And so they had to, like, I just, to even out the power levels on the team, like, they had to get do away with her, I think. Um, because there is always this nuclear weapon aspect to her that you have to account for in any movie. Especially, especially now that they're going away from the original team that could you could make storylines around them handling her creatively i think these days you got a lot more inexperienced superheroes taking the mantle and it would be hard to explain how wanda doesn't just pancake people you know the 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 other question i would ask is most of her stuff was centered around the scarlet witch aspect of her character which she didn't fully embrace until the end of wandavision Correct. right right and, and i think that I that's how her that power was, level got this high now th- that's where she ramped up and she was just kind of staying out of the way because her main focus is her children and therefore, um, well, and she has the know, Necronomicon. Different... Oh, I'm sorry, that's from a different Sam Raimi movie. She has the Darkhold in this one, um, and that might help with her power level as well. Seems to, and that's that's exactly right. I think I think we saw her ramp up to what she is now, and it wasn't always that way. So the whole Thanos conflict, she just wasn't the same I, on the same level. I did want to quickly point out. So in or not point out, but like touch back on something that you mentioned, making Wanda scary. I really liked that because I don't know if you guys remember, I, I just recently rewatched Age of Ultron. Her introduction is in that movie. And in that movie, she like moves through scenes all creepy and scary and like witch-like from like a horror movie and stuff. And then they immediately do away with that when she becomes a good guy. But back in when she comes back in this movie, that scene where she's crawling out of the mirror and she's like unfolding and shit. I was like, that's... F- it's and there's up. there's something so <laughs> terrifying about someone that can control your mind. Yeah, and and they do a good job of showing her like appear at a dude's ear and like whisper a suggestion to him. You know, yeah. run, and you're like, oh man, like that. There's nothing that guy can do. You know, he's literally like essentially frozen in that moment, and is at her complete mercy. And there's nothing scarier than that. I don't think even yeah. Thanos running up and punching you in the head is just not as scary as like just being physically incapable of any kind of reaction beyond what she wants you to do yeah and it's like that makes her you know the perfect character to try a horror twist i think i i, I thought it was a welcome change from um you know and the whole thing with benedict cumberbatch taking over a zombie body and stuff i was down with all of it i was like like this is cool i like, mean it's it was different ridiculous but i loved it it was very yeah. sam raimi <laughs> it felt very uh nightmare nightmare before christmasy and and 
that's Sam Raimi, right? No. Oh no no no, that's it was the musician was Danny Elfman. I thought Christmas. Yeah, Danny was, Elfman yeah, did the Danny score Elfman. in this one. Who he works with, Sam Raimi works with on a lot of his movies. But yeah, right, right, right. right. I thought they had a missed opportunity when Benedict Cumberbatch was speaking through the zombie. Um, why I wish that it would show the zombie try and talk, but because his jaw's fucked up, it would just come out as like, arr, arr. <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, but yeah, that would be funny. Yeah. Um, what did you guys think of, um, well, let's, let's talk about the Illuminati. John Krasinski yeah. as fantastic mm-hmm. four or as Mr. Fantastic. As all four Fantastic Four members. Yeah, he was each of them. <laughs> <laughs> what do you mean? No, just, we're just joking. Um, John Krasinski as Mr. Fantastic was um, a welcome a surprise. Yeah, mm-hmm. I, uh, I I grabbed Kelly's hand. It was just like, oh, oh shit. I didn't know that that was coming. That was crazy. Um, I was really expecting it to be the Tom Cruise Iron Man because everybody had basically just said that that was going to happen. It had become like one of those things where it was like, yeah, it's probably going to be true. See, I was trying to figure out if Tom Cruise is in the Black Bolt suit. <laughs> no, it was Anson Mount, the one that, yeah. that played him in the, the TV, yeah. the, the failed Inhumans TV series, which I'm happy that they gave him that yeah. opportunity to actually play Why Black not? Bolt. Yeah. Um, and that they only had to pay him for one word <laughs> and then uh, and then kill him. And the way that they, I think Black Bolt is a dumb character. And so the way that she killed him, like, just like immediately made me laugh so hard. <laughs> and everybody else in my theater was like, <gasps> and I was like, ah, bitch. <laughs> I didn't say that, but I should have. Um, yeah, I think that that was very funny. Um, but yeah, what did you guys think of all of that, that reveal? The, Brian, I think you had avoided most of the marketing. So you didn't even know that Captain Marvel and Peggy Carter were going to be in the movie, right? Correct. I um, I had heard way back the rumors about John Krasinski being a huge uh, fan favorite for Reed, Reed Richards. Richards, and I I so that one as soon as I saw him, it surprised me. But I was like, oh, it's cool that they actually did it, and like it's cool that once again the fan voice matters in this. Like I, I can't think of anything else in all of popular culture where the fan voice has played more of a role than what they allow it to be in the Marvel universe. Well, they and really just, they took sonic the hedgehog all the way back to animation stage because that's the, fair the twitter that's, outcry. that's another good example and the snyder but, cut on dc but anyway but but john krasinski you know as the fantastic four lead i you know i just thought um was really cool to see that because that was just directly impacted by people just wanting to see that and them being like cool like we'll put him in then it's, it's just the opposite of fucking game of thrones where they're just like cool, let's just do any stupid ending that doesn't allow a fan theory to be correct <laughs> Fuck that show. Well, anyway, someone go um, back and listen to every episode of this series and tell show. me if we have missed an episode without Brian saying that he hates Game of Thrones. Anyway, um, so, so that was really cool. And obviously getting to see um, Patrick Stewart again in the role of Charles Xavier. I will never get enough of him in that role because he is the most perfect casting in the history of casting uh, in that exact role. And for him to just continually c- continue to come back and deliver more scenes of charles xavier is just uh like i said i'll never get enough of it yeah i'll say this i am tired of watching him die as charles it's like the I would, third yeah, fourth time we, we watched, have watched, we watched him charles die xavier get murdered. so many times didn't i say that to you too brian when we were playing games the other night yeah i was like how many times did that, they killed him on screen <laughs> He's coming so much. <laughs> he needs to stop dying for sure, especially because he's supposed to be like a level five mutant, right? Exactly. Yeah, but he dies a lot in the comics too. I'm going to be honest. They he's... constantly are having to get rid of him because he's, again, too powerful. 
Right. He wasn't very powerful here, but um, I don't know. And, and, and parts of this film with this concept of the Illuminati, I'm going to say two things. One, I don't think Peggy Carter should have been on the Illuminati. Um, I think that they just did that to give us the Captain Carter thing. They just Which is to cool. I would have put her as head of security and I would have put Namor on that throne instead. Yeah. I think that well, the fact that you have Namor cast, that Namor is a part of the, the Illuminati in the comics – it's not going to be a surprise if he shows up because he's already cast. You've the named thing the is, actor. It's there's not, not a name actor on that. Everybody on that, on our version of the Illuminati that we got in this is either a character that we're already aware of or an up and coming actor, right? Or an actor that, you know, in John Krasinski's case, one that we, you know, fan casting, right? But Chiwetel Ejiofor was already Mordo. We already knew that. And right. he had taken over for Doctor Strange. Lashana Lynch as Captain Marvel. She was in Captain Marvel, but she's just this version's Captain Marvel yeah. instead of Brie Larson. That works. Also, she was just in the new James Bond movie where she yep. shared basically a co-lead status. So um, that was, uh, you know, that made sense. Um, and then obviously Charles Xavier and then John Krasinski as Mr. Fantastic. Those make sense for their reasons. Now giving right. us namor as this actor who nobody knows yet and nobody knows that character yet besides comic book fans didn't make sense but giving us Haley atwell in a return as this version of captain america saying you can still have that and still have namor on the throne that's all i'm saying i don't know i don't i think that they wanted the the reveals to be like heavy hitters you know what i mean yeah the part i'm struggling the most with with that whole thing is it's kind of all over the place with and i guess it's just with the multiverse, anything can happen, any variation that can happen. But like, it feels very hard to get my head around, you know, like for example, if you look at the different characters on that panel, Charles Xavier is the exact guy that we've seen in the other movies. Uh, yeah, but he's got his cool yellow uh, floating chair instead of like a sure. chrome one. And when he entered, they did the nineties X-Men. <laughs> yeah. They did the nineties the X-Men like, yes. theme, which is so Danny sick. Elfman, yes. yeah. So, so Charles Xavier is the exact guy that we've come to know and love. Instead of Captain America, we have Peggy Carter. So we can assume that there was some slight variation in the events where she jumped into that machine it's, instead it was, of, it was Steve. covered. It was covered in the what if, right? So yeah, that's exactly. Sure. It's from the first episode sure. of what if, but then we have, uh, uh, Mordo, Modo, Mordo, Baron Mordo. Where he is like some slight variation happened where he became the sorcerer right. supreme. Well, Steven's dead. Yeah, they had to but kill Steven, have, and so he took over. But then we have complete other characters that never existed suddenly existing, and like it feels like they're kind of going in multiple directions with how the different realities played out. Instead of there being just slight variations that have changed the characters, we have complete you know, characters that just don't even exist. So you yeah, know, but if you go far enough into the multiverse, in anything could happen, right? That's the idea. We know that. We know that the Fantastic Four is being made, so we can just assume that the series of events have swapped where that Fantastic Four, whatever's going to happen in our Fantastic Four film happened earlier in that universe prior to Thanos, right? It's just it's just about ordering the sequence of events. Yeah, it's just kind of interesting. And, and I guess at the end of the day, there's no complaint here. It's more like, you know, it's just hard to wrap your head around. It's not worth even trying. I think at some point you just got to accept what they give you at face value because it's a multiverse and they can just say, hey, just happened that, that way in that universe. Like there's right. nothing more to say about uh, it. I, um... And as far as... Mordor taken over for the Sorcerer Supreme. It makes sense to me because Steven played fast and loose with the rules of the Darkhold in this world, and Baron Mordor is the most strict, you know, uh, letter of the law kind of person when it comes to the interpretation of the natural laws of magic. And so when they go to select the next Sorcerer Supreme and go, okay, this person's going to have influence and control over all of these dark magics, 
who are we going to put in charge? Another person who's fast and loose with the rules or this person who's proven himself time and time again to say, fuck that, I'd rather die than let someone touch the Darkhold. All right, I think we spent enough time talking about the Illuminati now. It's been most of our... Most of our time has been just about this, say, like, 10 minutes of the movie. <laughs> I did want to say it felt like fan fiction to some extent with me. The fact that – and that, that's where I was saying earlier that there's no repercussions is that you introduce all of these things, and yet at the end of the film, none of those characters have made their way into the 616. So I'm no, like, and I don't and I don't think that they will. I don't think that we're going to see Patrick Stewart as Professor X in the MCU. I think he's too old. I mean, just seeing him on screen, I was like, oh, my God, Captain Picard, you are looking old, man. Um, and – I don't. I think John Krasinski maybe only took this so that he could be like, "All right, stop asking me. I'll, I'm in it. I'm somewhere in the multiverse, but I'm not going to be like. I don't think that he's going to be the MCU's version of Mister Fantastic." Oh, I disagree. I hope that I'm wrong, but I don't. I think that this is him basically being like, "No, nah, I'm, I'm not going to do it." You know, but I hope I'm wrong. Um, it would be really. I still think it would be really great if him and Emily Blunt were Mister Fantastic and the Invisible Woman. Should we change her name to Mrs. Fantastic? I think we should. Um, yeah, I just, I think that they, that would be really great casting. Um, so hopefully, hopefully they do that. But yeah, who knows? Um, and, yeah, but you're right. Overall, this series, the, 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 the largest bearing that this movie had on the wider MCU as it stands is the post credit scene in which my f- least favorite actress on the planet <laughs> shows up out of a portal and is like, Hey, there's some shit going on over here. Are you, are you a bitch or are you going to come with me? And he's like, I'm no bitch. And then a third eye opens and he jumps into a portal with her. Uh, that's right. Charlie's there. I didn't realize that you, I didn't realize you just like Charlie's Theron that much. Yeah. What's your problem? She's not my least favorite actress. I just don't, I think she's very overrated. I think that in every movie she, um, how do I put this? You're always very aware that she is acting at all times. Like there's no point where I'm ever lost in her performance in any movie I've ever seen her in. Even the one that she won an Academy Award for monster. You're just very aware that she is performing at all times. She's chewing up all the scenery. All of her performances are really big and outlandish and ridiculous. And I just, I'm not here for it. It's not my thing, but other people love it. So, so so Cleo shows up post credit scene opens a, a rift into the, I don't know. Look like the dark dimension. It did look like the, uh, well. That's where she's from. She's Dormammu's daughter, I think, or niece, or something like that. So, and she's says a daughter that, that Doctor Strange. Well, what? he's more of like she, a construct. He's not just a head, but yeah. So Charlie Theron is Dormammu's daughter, or like something like, something that. like that. She's related to Dormammu. Yeah, she's from the dark dimension. That I haven't read a lot of Doctor Strange comics, but the ones I have that she's been in, um, she's from the dark dimension. That's so. Is her character named Dormama? Yep. Her name's Cleo. She goes by uh, her middle name, Clea, but her, her first name is Dormama. I say again, Dormama? Yeah. <laughs> um, so, so she opens up a riff, says he <laughs> mentions an incursion. We mentioned earlier that we that there's a lot of fan theories suggesting that certain characters are going to be brought into this specific universe through this concept of multiverse jumping. So, And we know that Disney now owns Fox Properties. So do we think that 616 is going to have a, this clash with um the fox universe i don't know i i wonder about this because i think the introduction of incursions directly relates to secret wars which is a 2015 comic book storyline i think maybe older i well i mean i don't so secret wars is definitely older than 2015 
Um, no, no, no. Like the new one, like the one where Miles Morales jumped in. I'm pretty sure that that just happened in like seven, that's seven years ago, 2015. It's quite a while ago. Um, so anyway, so I think that that whole battle world thing that happened in the com- in Marvel Comics, which I know, Jeff, you know what I'm talking about. We may have to explain this a little bit deeper yeah. for those who aren't comic book uh, readers. I but mean, anyone who watched this film understands the concept. Basically, the idea is it, it's, uh, it's also referenced in Loki when they explain the multiverse. So basically, yep. it's all of the timelines and different planets of the multiverse all collapse into one and create a world called battle world where all the different realities are fighting against the different real fighting against each other for superiority so that they can be the ones that live so in that you get captain america fighting another version of captain like you would get our captain america fighting Haley atwell's captain britain who are both good guys but they have to fight each other to save their version of reality because if they don't two realities end up ex- coexisting at the same exact time in the same exact place in the multiverse and they're going to collide together and both of them are going to be destroyed but if one of them is able to destroy the other then your world can live right, right so it's superheroes versus superheroes so you right. get everybody versus everybody the whole planet fighting each other <laughs> which is kind of a sick concept for a new avengers movie it's also the way that we got miles morales out of the ultimate universe into the 616 in the comics right. so I mean, we will, you know, we'll see um, if that, if, if we get something like that, you know what I mean? Like that, that would be the way to bring in a Fantastic Four and an X-Men that would make sense, but it's a little bit further down the line than I think I was expecting. Um, I will say this. I was actually really disappointed with this film on, on one super nerdy point, but they directly referenced this universe as 616. Yeah, I hated that. I was really upset. And I hate that. Yeah, because 616 is canonically the comic universe, and right. these events of this film universe have not played out canonically the same way as the comic universe. So no. this is inherently a different universe. Well, they've, they've said that this is that, Marvel 19999 or something like right. that, that this is and that universe. So on, on top of that, they said it as a joke in No Way Home. Jake Gyllenhaal's character calls this world 616 and then reveals himself to be, you know, a, a tech-wielding asshole right. who doesn't actually have any knowledge of the multiverse. Right. And he was just making shit up. So for him to have now correctly guessed, yeah. designed a random number, <laughs> and for it to actually be the correct, like, what the fuck? Yeah, that is actually a good point. I didn't even who think did about that? that. I'm sorry, I fell behind. Jake there. Gyllenhaal's character, when he was explaining his origin story of Mysterio to, to Tom Holland and, and uh, Nick Fury... Uh, Spider-Man Nick Fury, he was saying, oh, I'm from this other Earth. Your guy's Earth is 616, which is, you know, a, a lead into the to the comics because the oh, comic I mean, there's, 616. It is, I right. mean, there's a lot of issues with that in that he says, I'm from the multiverse and I was able to travel to your, like he guessed that the multiverse would open up soon and that, that people would be able to fall in and out of it. Like, I don't know. Even how though he, he was a total fraud. Yeah, even though, yeah. well, I mean, he's a scientist. It was just a bunch of, he's really a bunch smart, of nerds but... writing science fiction yeah, novels, and then they right? just one hundred percent nailed it somehow. Yeah. <laughs> right, um, which is mm-hmm. funny. Yeah, you're right. That's a that's a good point. I didn't think about that. Um, I was annoyed by it because I was just like, just give it the one that we've already given it. We're all okay yes. with it being 1999 or whatever. Like that's fine. Yep. Why yep. make it also 616? Now there's two concurrent 616s. I don't understand. I liked the idea that the comic book universe was somewhere in the multiverse of this yep. Marvel version. You know what I mean? I agree. Um, cool. Well, uh, we have spent about 30 minutes talking about uh, not the story of this movie. Um, did we want to talk about the new character, America Chavez, at all? 
I thought she was great. I loved the idea of their, of her being the only one of her kind and being the only one and that she can't dream. I thought that was a really fun character. I mean, I'm, I'm new to America Chavez. I like reading comics, but I've never actually read a comic with her in it. So um, I went into this rather blind. And I don't know how she matches up to her comic. Pretty much exactly. But, but it's very fun. I, I really enjoyed her role. Um, I think that she kind of added that level of innocence. I think that she would be a great introduction to this concept of the young Avengers that they seem to be building towards, although she does seem stupid powerful, but it seems like they might be dumbing her down just to be kind of like a wizard. So she's just going to be the wizard of the young Avengers, which I think would be cool. Um, Cause if she just starts punching in realities and summoning in gods from other universes to help her fight, <laughs> then the young Avengers aren't going to have much of a challenge at all. You know what I liked about this movie was that Scarlet Witch became a villain. She went from being a bad guy in Age of Ultron to reforming and becoming a good guy and then slipping back into a bad guy uh, in this movie it, because that is straight out of the comics. Like that kind of shit, like where a good guy takes the heel turn and becomes the bad guy for for like, you know, a year or two. And I really appreciated that they did that. Brian, how did you feel about like that heel turn on her? Did you? Uh, super cool. And once again, it was... Uh unconventional uh, you know i think in, in terms of movie storytelling you just you see a character arcs go from one to the other but very rarely do you see them go from one to the other and then back and um and you get, I, I can't I think feel of like very you many follow examples. it too right with wandavision like i feel like i guess maybe now that i know that i'm gonna be a dad like i'm kind of like yeah man like if, if i had kids and they got taken away from me i'd probably move heaven and earth to fucking get them back too 100 percent. like it like i think you can Wong had an interesting moment where he was like, isn't it enough to know that your kids are with you in a different, like an alternate you, you know, why isn't that enough for you? And I thought that was interesting. And obviously she came around to that knowledge, like that understanding that the other Wanda is, it is good enough. And that is the right way for, for things to play out. But, um, she said, know that they're loved. And like, right. I did understand like I, I thought it was good enough motivation for her to go bad. I, I, I totally accepted it. I was like, yeah, no, I freaking get it, dude. Like, you know, I, I, I don't think she's doing the right thing, but I get why she's doing it. Right. Yeah. Jeff, and, uh, oh, and so that was a completely acceptable to me. And, and again, it, it was, uh, an unconventional way to handle it and totally landed. I think they did a good job. Jeff, we know that this is exactly kind of like what turns her bad for a period of time in the late nineties in the comics. It's, oh. it's that she, she realizes that her kids aren't real in her universe. And so she rewrites reality in, mm-hmm. in the way that makes sense to her so that she's super powerful and her kids are with her. Um, how did you feel well, about that sort of, I mean, if you're talking about house of M, she barely actually appears in house of M. She creates house of M. Uh, Wolverine becomes the protagonist and she's basically locked in a tower. She's like this mythic character. And when you finally get to her, she's literally just living in a palace with her children, just trying to uh, savor every moment Um, with them. Yeah. I mean, I think that that's what she's, but that's the idea, right? Like how did you like, right. I Um, I remember that. (laughs) I've read it too. (laughs) Um, How did you feel? I meant more. How did you feel about this representation of like that psychotic break and like how they translated that from the comics? Uh, I didn't feel like it translated from the comics really at all, right? We didn't get a House of M. It, it was, well, we kind of so, did with WandaVision. Uh, that was the idea. Was It was like a – it, it wasn't that. House of M, but it is. I, I hate that almost as much as I hate Thor Ragnarok being the only Planet Hulk I'm going to get. So fuck that. <laughs> um, 
right? I mean, you're going to take these fantastic world selling comics that are inspirations for, for people to come for years that are talked about decades later. And then you go, what if I take a massive shit on that? Yeah, that's what I'm going to do. Um, so no, I don't accept that as a, <laughs> I, I don't accept that as an interpretation of planet Hulk. I don't accept that as an interpretation of house of M. I'm sorry, but no, you're being, like they you're do a great harsh, job. Man. They have to, they it's have to horrific. make a, they have to make a, a, from the starting point of like the early Iron Man movie, the first Iron Man movie to the last movie that they create in this universe, there has to be some general storyline because it's movies that we're watching. Like it's, sure. there has to be something that kind of just keeps it going. And when you have all these side tangents, I haven't even read them, but I'm telling you right now, it seems pretty obvious to me why they're doing it that way, which is they want to honor those things. They want to touch on them or take some value from right. them and give it to the people that care. But at the same that. time, the, if you go too far one way or another, It'll pull your storyline too far off, and people will start going, "What the fuck's going on?" Like, right? I'm totally with you. Uh, what I'm saying is, I like if you go back and listen to the, to the review of Wandavision, I had no problem with that show, but I have never once referred to it as House of M because it's not House of M. Do you want to call it its own thing and say, "Hey, it's inspired I by House of M"? I said that it was inspired by. I didn't yeah, call it House saying. of M. I just said it inspired House of right. M. Inspired. What I'm saying, what I'm saying is, it's 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 in no way, <laughs> in shape or form house of m and i hope it does not preclude us and you resent the comparison getting, i get it we're not yeah. gonna ever get house of m jeff that's there's no just, way that's I gonna hope, happen i hope you're wrong that film hope you're wrong. the general film viewer is not film literate enough to understand that concept it's too weird it makes sense in the comics because there's years and years and years of history to build on and you know what the plan is going forward there's no gonna way we're gonna get dude. this and also I'm, think i just the closest we're going to get is this Flashpoint movie that's coming up and we're going to watch as that crashes and burns because Ezra Miller isn't strong enough to to hold an entire movie up and uh and then you'll understand why they're not going to ever do it. Um, he's not in prison. He's in he was in jail, but he's already back out, I think. Yeah. We can talk about that later. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um we're running yeah, up on time, so, so do we want to run through any I think that this film had one major flaw. And I think the screenwriters knew it, right? I mean, this the issue with this film was already solved by Rick and Morty like five years ago. And Rick and Morty, they they in the first season, they fuck up the planet so bad with one of their hijinks that they just jump universes into a multiverse where Rick fucked up and killed him and Morty. And so they show up seconds after they blew up and bury their own bodies and now inhabit this new universe. So why can't, in this infinite multiverse, America Chavez go find a world where uh, WandaVision, where, where, where Vision defeated Thanos and, and Wanda sacrificed herself, and it's a Wanda-less universe, right? I mean, Injustice did it with Oliver Queen and Black Canary. I mean, it's, it's not a new concept, and it would have wrapped this up in a nice fucking bow, and there's no, there's, like, they didn't touch on that concept. I think that Elizabeth Olsen wanted to be out of the... MCU. I mean, this she's been one, in this, for just, years. Just put her in a distant universe and say, okay, but good. But then go she's always out there to be brought back, right? And she's still in that condition. I think it's the same thing with Daniel Craig where he's like, if I live through this, they will never let me die. So let me, like, kill me. You gotta kill me. Sorry. Spoilers again for No Time to Die. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but he's like, I'm not coming back. Nuke, like, make it, like, I want a missile to hit More right missiles. where I'm standing. <laughs> he's, like, standing over the CGI team. I More missiles. More. night. <laughs> yeah, he's doing the Kylo Ren thing. The Kylo Ren, yeah. yeah. Um, 
I watched it again last night. No time to die. And uh, a, did a, you a watch missile, No Time to Die last night? Yeah, a missile lands right where he's standing. Like it is no, no if ands or buts. He is if, he is if disintegrated. You, if you go, if you go uh, shot by shot. You see body parts hit the screen. Oh my god, and, dude! Uh, it, it is. It is. There's no doubt. James Wan is dead in that universe. Well, I will say this: Scarlet Witch. Uh, there was a, a brief flash of of her, you know, red power or whatever yeah. as the stones hit her. So there's there's plenty of ability for them to write her back in if they want to. Yeah. So I, th- I think they accomplished that whole what you're saying, tuck her away kind of thing. And if they decide to bring her back, then they can do that and just say, yeah, she teleported out and. I'm sure that when they do this Secret Wars storyline that I'm I'm foreseeing here, I'm sure that we're going to get Steve Rogers, we're going to get Tony Stark, we're going to get Scarlet Witch, we're going to see all of them come back and it's going to, they're killing people off so that they can bring them back one last time and make it like, you know, this big deal. Although I think Secret Wars is years off at this point, but. Well, I mean, so they're doing a Secret Wars show, but it's clearly about scrolls. That's Secret but... Invasion. Hmm. And that is a scroll storyline. God, dude, read your Marvel comics. Come on. Um, That's what I said. What is clever, Brian? What have you been reading, watching, or listening to? Uh, I've, I've got more of the same, man. I've, I've been real consistent lately. I, I am in uh, the 100 season six now, and it is holding up, man. I'm dying to go watch some episodes at some point today. <laughs> so uh, they are now on spoiler for 100 that's been out for years now but uh they are now on another planet because earth is now completely uninhabitable they've they blew that shit up so they managed to make it to another planet and uh there are there's a colony there and they're already having problems so i'm I'm all about it suck shit anybody who is watching along (laughs) is one season behind um that show's been out long enough I yeah i don't care but, i don't uh, think anyone i don't think anyone watched it while it was airing and I, there's no <laughs> way that anyone's watching it now so <laughs> well i'm i'm enjoying the shit out of it i think i think it's very under underrated in in the the value that that show brings so i'm, I'm enjoying it um, so it my ass anyway i'm surprised uh, so we didn't that, do any analogies from multiverse of madness to uh everything everywhere all at once i but, did sorry continue i did i mentioned to the we are not talking about that movie again <laughs> What's clever, man? Jeff. Um, playing Ark and uh, with you guys. We, we, we established ourselves on a PVU server, which I will not name out loud because I don't want you guys to come fuck with us. Uh, I know that the Ark community has a tendency to be toxic, and if there's any Ark players on here, stay away. Um, and also lick my balls. <laughs> Um, but yeah, so we, we established a little base. Apparently Tyler was playing yesterday and, and, or was it yesterday, two days ago and, and solved our, our water issue somehow. Um, yeah, I don't understand how you guys were having such an issue with it. It really was having an issue. I played for what, two hours and was like, okay, we're done. We fixed it anyway. Awesome. And, uh, I, other than that, have been watching golden girls. Oh, I still can't get my head around that. I'm just not gonna, I'm gonna refrain from that. Have you watched it, Brian? I haven't watched all of it, but it's pretty good. It's funny, dude. Yeah. No, and uh, I'm just looking ahead to the future. I'm not going to. So, so I watched. Um, there's a multiverse out there where I watch Golden Girls. I watched the Pentaveret, Mike Myers' new Netflix series. It's uh, six episodes, I think. Um, I'm actually on the final episode. I'm going to watch it after we finish recording. Um, 
it is Mike Myers. He's playing like eight characters and he's back to his old shit. It's pretty funny. It's pretty good. I actually really like it. It's very ridiculous. It's very silly. It's very Mike Myers. Um, and if you're a fan of like, you know, Austin Powers and all the other movies that he did, um, it's it's kind of a return to form. And I'm just happy that he's back, you know, making stuff because he hadn't been for, I don't even know how long, a long time. So uh, it's good to see him back and uh, glad that he's still funny. Um, that's it. So I just cut it there. Um, yeah. So for the listeners at home. What did you guys think of Doctor Strange and the realms of ridiculousness? Um, there is a multiversal world where Rob Deerdeck became the, the, the Sorcerer Supreme, right? <laughs> you guys think well, so? there's infinite reality. So I guess there's one where I'm the Sorcerer Supreme. Probably. No big deal. Welcome to the Sanctum Sanctorum, dudes. Yeah. <laughs> and then Chanel West Coast goes, ah, or whatever. laughs like SpongeBob. <laughs> no, there's a there's a universe where she's an actual dolphin. And and it's it's the perfect universe. <laughs> it's a more perfect universe wherever wherever that one is. <laughs> um, yeah. So what did you guys think of Doctor Change in the multiverse of madness? Hit us up. And, uh, yeah, thank you for listening. We'll see you guys next week. Thanks, guys. Bye. Thank you for listening to the Clever Kids Podcast. If you want more from us, be sure to follow us on social media. We're at Clever Kids Pod everywhere. Or you can get in touch with us at cleverkidspodcast at gmail.com. We would love to hear from you. And be sure to rate us on whatever app you're listening on and recommend us to a friend. We really appreciate it. Or don't. Whatever's clever. 